diversity, but unity. For the glory of God. That's the title of the message today. Diversity, but unity. For the glory of God. Last week we did a survey of Romans and we talked about the glory of God. We did that for the entire service. And, oh, it was so good to see what the Apostle Paul thought about the glory of God. Because the glory of God is the backdrop of everything that we propose to do in 2011. Whatever your goals uh, are that you set for yourselves, most people make some New Year's resolutions and things like that, whatever they are. It really doesn't matter because I want you to think of them as I'm going to complete them for the glory of God. Regardless of what it is, it could be uh, to, for, for your children, it could be for your marriage, it could be for your individual spiritual life, it could be for your, for your workplace. It really doesn't matter. Everything we do should be for the glory of God because we found out that we were created, somebody tell me, for the glory of God, it said in the word of God. So since we are, of course, our congregational goal is for also to be done for the glory of God. Now, why all this about the the glory of God? Let's look in the, uh, well, go to, I I want you to go to one place, but I'm going to another place. (laughs) I I don't want you to follow me to John 17. No, that's where I will be. Uh, but I, I want you to uh, go somewhere else. Now, let me read this. Let me read this for you. You can go on and put the scripture on the, on the board where they're going to, sweetheart. Uh, that's my daughter back there, and she knows that we're going to be in. She knows we're going to be in uh, in Ephesians. So since since you might think it's a little bit, oh, why is he calling her his sweetheart? You know? Yeah. But this is my wife right here for our guests, Minerva. That's that's my sweetheart. But my daughters are my sweethearts also. I have four sweethearts. Yes. In John 17, verse 24, uh, Jesus said, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. Oh, my goodness. Jesus wants us to see his glory. The Father wants you to behold his glory. All of creation speaks of the glory of God. So the backdrop that we'll be talking about our congregational goal is the glory of God. Now let's look in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far above all that we may ask or think, in the New American Standard would say, far more abundantly. That means exceedingly above, beyond all measure, above all that we could even ask or think. I mean, just try to think of anything, anything that's, that's, that's so good, God is able to do abundantly more than that. 
according to the power, the dunamis, the supernatural force that's work in us. And we are thankful as Christians we have the Holy Spirit in us. And the Holy Spirit is God. All power. All goodness. To him, it says in verse 21, be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. So be it. Amen. Now, why should he get the glory? Why not us? Why can't we get some glory? Now, I know that you're saying, I don't want any glory, because you all are so holy. You know? uh, <laughs> don't give me any recognition either. Uh, act like I don't even exist. And see, we know that that's really not true. We know that we want recognition, regardless of what we uh, do in our workplaces. If no one gives us any recognition, if no one gives us any uh, at, as the five love languages, you know the five love languages that we've talked about? Uh, if, the, if I've talked to you as a couple, you know, we've talked about love languages and things like that. Uh, one of the words of affirmation, if nobody gives you any words of affirmation, you don't like that. You don't like that. I don't like that. I want people to recognize that I do something right. Don't you? Yeah. Why should we? When everything we do is for his glory. It, the reason why I'm able to do anything, you're able to do anything, is because he's given us the strength, he's given us the ability, he's given us the, uh, the energy to do it. Is that true? Why not to him be the glory then? Why do we want any? I'm trying to be real. Because in 2011, you want him to be the glory. If I want to lose 10 pounds, it should be for his glory. Because I want to last long on this earth to do his will more. Right? You don't like it when I'm in the hospital, do you? Well, I hope not. <laughs> oh, fine. You might say, finally, we'll get somebody else to speak, you know. Um, but um, it's not a good thing to be in the hospital with high blood pressure, heart disease, or whatever the situation may be. Like I was a new morning. It's not good to be in there, uh, even though they, they wait on you night and day and everything, wake you up all during the night and stuff like that to take your temperature. Uh, you get a lot of attention, but it's not a good thing, <laughs> especially when you get the bill. Not a good thing. <laughs> so we should want to lose weight for his glory, for his glory. Is that true? Right. Everything's for the glory of God. Yeah. Let's go a little further then. Since... We want to do things for his glory. Then let's see what he's asking us to do here. He says, therefore, in verse 1 of chapter 4, therefore, I, and therefore is there because of all what he said in chapters 1 through 3. The prisoner of the Lord, and we know that he's a prisoner of the Lord because he's in prison. He's in Rome, in prison. Implore you, I beg you, I beseech you, and the King James may say, to walk in a manner worthy, worthy of the call in which you have been called. Because of all that he is, he's so good. 
He's so glorious. He's saved our souls. We'll be with him in heaven. Uh, he's defeated uh, death. We don't have to be concerned about death any longer because uh, we have eternal life. That's what he told me. We have eternal life. So therefore, this little death of the body means that I'm going to be present with the Lord. So we can rejoice when death comes. And we are Christians. We can, be, we can rejoice because even though we've, we've lost the person with us, we know that we'll be with that person eternally. To God be the glory for that. Now let's get to really verse 2. The title of the message is, I said, Diversity, but unity for the glory of God. That's the problem. The problem is, seems to be, that God has created diversity for some reason. Do you know why he created diversity? I don't know. I guess it's for his glory. (laughs) Also, I'm assuming it's for us to be able to enjoy all the multitude of his greatness and also to be able to love like he loves. Because if we were all the same, all had the same gifts, we all liked each other, then we wouldn't have to really love like he loves. Is that true? But he created diversity. But he says there must be unity. Our vision is a vision for the body. And even though we have a diverse body, God expects us to walk in unity. Let's read verse 2. How are we going to do this? How are we going to be in unity, Lord, when there is so much diversity that you've created? With all Humility, it says. We cannot have unity without humility. Do you hear me? We have to have a lowness of mind. We have to think of ourselves as we truly are, the way God has said we are. We must think of ourselves that way. The Bible tells us how we are. And compared to him, we are Really, nothing compared to him. Now, if you think you're something apart from him, you're deceiving yourself. We're only anything in him, in Christ. We are righteous in Christ. We are forgiven in Christ. Everything is because of the price that Christ paid. Christ is a standard. Other people are not the standard. I can't look at you and compare myself to you and tell you how I am. I can't look at you and say, well, I'm better than you, or I wish I were like you. We are not to compare ourselves with ourselves. Is that correct? So diversity is real, but unity is of God. With gentleness, gentleness, some 
translation may say meekness, with patience. The only way we're going to be in unity is with long-suffering. That's what the patience is, long-suffering. Now, you may say, well, I don't understand. Um, I don't understand because I thought we are not, we don't have such diversity. We have diversity in the body of Christ because Christ you know, God made it that way, Christ made it that way. And if we're looking in Romans, he'll tell us about the giftedness of people. We have different gifts. Some have a gift of mercy, some have a gift of uh, teaching, some have a gift of uh, ruling, some have many different gifts, exhortation, many different gifts people have. We have many different talented people. You saw it on the worship team up here. Uh, uh, we have singers, we have people playing different instruments. Uh, bringing us a harmonious sound. They, they, are, they have been gifted by God to be able to do that. Now, they had to work with God, of course, to uh, develop their skill in that. But I don't care how much I work at it. I'm still, I am still not going to be any good up there playing anything. I can tell you. Because God has not gifted me to do that. In 1 Corinthians, he tells us about the body. He tells us that the body is one body, but many members. Is that true? Yeah. And I can't say, you know, to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor can the foot say, well, uh, 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 not, I'm not needed, you know, so I'm not really a part of the body. Every part is important and every part is needed for the functioning of the body of Christ because even though there's many members all over the world, it's still one body of Christ. One body. And every member is a part of that body. So there's a diversity in the body because God has created that. I don't care what culture you're from, we're still different because we're gifted different. No gift is no more important than the other gift, basically. Because every gift, I don't care whether it's, it's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, whether um, it may be a word of wisdom. Some people say, well, you know, I got a word of wisdom, you know, I have a word of knowledge, you know. Uh, I, can, I can work miracles. It doesn't matter what you can do. Because what you can do is only because of the Holy Spirit gave you the ability to do that. Because he distributes to, to individual, to whoever he wills. It's not you. So I'm not no more important than you. I'm no more important than the person who's in the nursery, who's working with the kids at church today. Uh, I'm no, important, no more important than them because if it were not for them, you wouldn't be sitting here if you had kids. Because, you know, you want somebody taking care of your children. So it takes all of the part of the body. It's some people in the body that they're just servants. Some people in the body, they, uh, they, like, they just have an outgoing personality. They like greeting people. Don't you know we need people greeting people out there? We're just all so different. But in that diversity, there should be unity. We are for one common purpose. That's to glorify God. That's what we do. And if one part is not functioning, it's not good. Let's keep on going down here because it says showing tolerance. If I'm going to be in unity with you, I must show tolerance. I must show tolerance. Tolerance is needed because you're going to see my weaknesses. If you're around me enough, you're going to see my weaknesses. If you uh, listen to me more than one time, 
maybe one time, you'll see my weaknesses. <laughs> so you're going to have to have tolerance. If there is no tolerance, there will be no unity in diversity. Do you understand? God is, is calling us to unity. Everywhere in the Bible it speaks of unity. Everywhere. Old Testament, New Testament, everywhere. Everybody knows Psalm 133, unity. Everyone knows about the Tower of Babel, uh, how when they, when they decided that, hey, let us do this, and everybody was on agreement, it was done. And God had already told them, hey, I want you to uh, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. I mean, I want you to fill the whole earth. And they decide they're going to camp out. We don't want to do that. We're going to camp out. And we'll build us a tower. So that's the rallying point. We're going to stay here. And God said, no, we're not going to do that. So we're going to have to go down and we're going to have to uh, confound their languages so they can't understand each other, so that they can't agree. Because if they keep agreement, if they keep on this, they're going to, it's nothing that's impossible for them. So that tells me. That in your household, in your marriage, in your family, there is nothing impossible if you agree. And so what Satan does is try to get you to disagree. He tries to get you uh, uh, in confusion. He tries to get you against one another, contention in your marriage, doesn't he? Then you can't agree. You don't want to agree. You don't want to pray with each other. Because you're mad with each other. You all know what I'm talking about. If you've married, been married longer than a day, you know. <laughs> Maybe a day. <laughs> two different people, two different ideas, two different preferences sometimes. Usually the man, you know, uh, they usually, a lot, a lot of wives have all the preferences on the wedding day and, you know, all those kind of things when they're getting married. But after they get married, <laughs> it's a rude awakening. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately. Singles, don't listen to me. <laughs> Being diligent, in verse 3, it says, to preserve the unity of the spirit. Unity is not of us, it's of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is of God. The Holy Spirit is going to always try to be creating unity. That's what he's going to be trying to do. Unity. Unity. If you, if you get out of unity, you can already know you're not walking in the Spirit. Can you, do you hear what I'm saying? Because it tells me here, if, if that were not here, I wouldn't say that. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit, capital S, in the bond of peace. He wants peace. He wants unity. King David, regardless of how he was a, uh, you know, God loved David, didn't he? David was after his own heart. But yet he says that you can't build me a temple because you're a man of war. A man of peace is going to have to build this. Your son will build it, but not, not you. God is not into war. So in our households, God wants peace. He wants unity. He wants love flowing. In his church, he wants 
unity. How are we going to have this unity in 2011 at Cornerstone? More unity. Obviously, we have it. We're here. We want more, don't we? Move from glory to glory. We want more. How are we, how are we going to have more unity? We're going to have to be in hum, humility. We're going to have to humble ourselves. We're going to have to, as the song says, we're going to have to go to the cross. That's the only way. This flesh cannot have its way because I have preferences. You have preferences. And we, if we put all our preferences together, we'll stay in disunity because everybody can't have their preferences, can they? No. So somebody's going to have to die to preferences. And I said we're all going to have to die to preferences. And we're going to have to do what the word of God says. But some things are not some things are not sin. Some things are not against the word that you have preferences in your marriage that you're different. Is that true? Come on now. Is it true? So how are we going to have unity in our marriage? How are we going to have unity between the teenagers and their, their parents? How are we going to have unity between the the, the the now married couples and their parents, if everyone has preferences, and their preferences, preferences may disagree with one another, but neither, n- neither one of them are sin. How are we going to do it? See, we know that the word of God is good for us, and everything that has to do with life and godliness is in that word. So he's told us that I have created order, order in the universe. I've created order in marriages. I have called the man the head, Genesis. Creation order, naming order. New Testament, Christ is the head of every man, is he? Father's head of Christ. Right? Who's the head of the woman? Her husband, right. So, God has created order. So, in a marriage, who's the head? The husband. So, where does the buck stop if they disagree and neither one is sin? With the husband. With the husband. God wants unity, so he has already made plans for unity in the word of God, in the church. He's put elders in the church, hasn't he? He told you an elder in, in, about elders, and the elders not to lord over you, right? He's told you that. And he's also told you that you're supposed to obey your elders. Am I correct? He's put order everywhere, everywhere. Well, what about Preferences. We're going to have to go to the cross on preferences, haven't we? And that's where unity starts. When we have a preference that's against, in marriage, our husband's preference, while the, the teenagers have a preference against their parents' preference, neither one of sin, the teenagers have to bow their knee. They have to go to the cross, don't they? The children have to bow their knee. You know, we can force them to bow their knee, can't we? <laughs> But teenagers are larger than we are sometimes. You know? 
So therefore, you know, you can't force them. Sometimes they're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to appeal to them. Yeah. Appeal to their wisdom. In the, in, the, in the church, it's the same thing. We're going to have to go to the cross when the elders say this. And you say, well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't want to do that. You know, come on. When do we get to do what we want to do in life? Yeah. Right? Most of us don't want to work. And I know, I know you say, I do want to work. I love working. Well, then tell your employer, don't pay me anymore. I just love working. And, of course, we, we, if we were wealthy, uh, we probably would still do volunteer work or do things we like to do, but we probably wouldn't go to work for an employer. We probably wouldn't. So I'm just saying that we have to realize that we're going to have to die to our preferences. We will have, and I have, in order to have unity. Okay, let's go to the, to the uh, one I explained to you two weeks ago. What is our vision? Our vision, which is going to take unity, even though we have diversity, is that we are, are going to be connected. Be connected to God. Be connected to the body. Be connected to a minister. Be connected to the world. That's what we said. So we're going to use this because we know we're going to have to do that. Because as it goes on down in the scripture, it tells us in, in verse uh, uh, 4 that there is one body, one spirit. He's just talking about one hope. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father's all. He's talking about oneness. Oneness is unity. He's telling us in verse 7 over here in Ephesians that to each one is given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. What's Christ's gift? Well, well Christ gave gifts unto men. Well, let's skip over the parentheses and say, what are those gifts for? He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Some say it's a four-fold gifting. Some say a five-fold gifting. doesn't matter which one you say it is. But they are still gifts of God, aren't they? Christ gave us gifts. What did he give us gifts for? For the equipping of the saints for works of service to the body is built up in Christ until we all attain to the, come on, say that word, unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. He didn't say mature people. He said a mature man because in this body of Christ called Cornerstone, this part of the body, we're supposed to be walking as one mature man, one mature person because we are one body. It's just like my body that you see here. Everything's working together to uh, make oneness, whatever my head says, then that's what everything in this body is supposed to do. That God hasn't already put into motion that I don't have to think about it. My heart beating, I don't have to tell my heart to beat. God just set it into motion. So as long as I stop eating so much pie and stuff, I, <laughs> it'll keep beating, you know? So uh, this is one body. So how are we going to do it? The body is diversified, isn't it? Oh, it's so diverse. It, I need every part, don't you? And anything that's not being used, anything that's, that, that's uh, lame or, or, or if it starts hurting and stuff like that, then my whole body going to hurt. It's going to hurt. And also something else is going to have to take over 
the weight of that also, the work of that. That's the same thing in the, in, in the body of Christ. So that means that when we say we want to be connected to God, we are speaking of, of, of what we've already put in motion. I want you to do two things, and we're going to measure it because it's a, it's, it's, we can measure it. It's objective measurement. One thing is that, do you have intimacy with Jesus Christ? See, you can't be connected to God, really, if you don't have intimacy with him. If you're not really cultivating that intimacy with Jesus Christ, with your Father, with the Holy Spirit, how are you going to say, I'm connected to him? So in order to be, to cultivate that intimacy, to foster that intimacy, then and spend time and thought in developing that intimacy, you have to be in the word of God. And we say, okay, oh, we're going we're gonna to be in this word. I want you to be in the word. If you haven't read the, the, through the Bible uh, at all, then I want you to start on that process of reading through the Bible. Read that Bible. All of it. Numbers. All of it. All of it. Somebody begat somebody. All of it. Don't skip not one word. <laughs> because God wants us to read his word. You have more knowledge of him if you read his word. We said we want to be, start being accountable to that. We said we want to use the, uh, the, the, the um, seven priorities of spiritual life to give us a guide because if we don't have those seven priorities, we're going, we're going to read and we're not going to meditate. We're not going to study. We're not going to memorize. So if I say, okay, give me a scripture memorization that you, you didn't know before. You don't know in the scripture. How are you going to hide the word in your heart that you might not sin against God if you don't memorize the word of God? You have to memorize the seven projects. So we gave you those. We said you need to be in the service on Sunday morning. We have one service on Sunday mornings. And we say you need to be in, 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 in service on Sunday mornings because... The body is gathering together. There's a different anointing when the body gets together than when I'm at home together with, with the Lord. It's a good time when I'm with the Lord. It's a good time. But if I neglect coming here and stay at home, I say, hey, God, I'm, I'm going to just stay with you right here uh, later for the body. I, me and you, this is just us. No, it's a different anointing. It's even a different anointing if you get the churches together. It's a different anointing. The praise was good today. The praise is good at your house when you do it, in your car when you do it, in the shower when you do it. The praise is good. But it's better here because the body comes together. Jesus said that, you know, that, that he is here. He's in a midst. He's going to glorify the Father in our midst. Now, if all of Lynchburg had a worship service, all the churches in Lynchburg had a worship service together, do you realize what anointing would be there? Because, see, every time you leave your personal time and get with a body, that takes a commitment. It takes effort. It takes money. It takes, it takes things because you had to put gas in the car. It costs 305 or something. Costs, unless you get it from Kroger's, it, costs, it costs a lot, you know. <laughs> it costs a lot. And so it's better to stay home, some people may say. No, it's not better to stay home. You better get with that body because you don't know what. God, God can be blessing you here. You say, well, hmm, I sure wanted God to show up. He didn't show up. Come on. 
You must be kidding. You must be kidding. See, because we don't even know what God is doing all the time when he's doing it. He can be doing some things and it doesn't even show up to next week in your life. It takes more effort to get together if we got together at another time with another part of the body. Then it takes more effort. So the more effort it takes, the more anointing. The more, the more you're going to have to die to self, the more the blessings, the anointing are going to come that's going to break yokes over your life. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You know, that's why I love, I love uh, Faith Christian Fellowship which I came, which this church used to be called uh, back in the days and, and when we changed the name to Cornerstone. I was not going to leave Cornerstone because Cornerstone, it presented obstacles for me. And I knew that if I had obstacles, there would be more blessings. I just learned earlier that, that the more obstacles, the more blessings. If I had to overcome things, more things I had to overcome, the more I had to die to flesh, the more God was going to bless me. So I had to die to a flesh because I was not used to people standing up, you know, looking like the worship team looked today, you know, because they didn't have any robes on, you know. Yeah. Didn't sing any hymns. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. People raising their hands. Woo, my goodness, they must be, wow. All these whites. Oh, my goodness gracious. See, because Miss Dorsey invited me. See, a black invited me. I, thought, I didn't know she, was, she had a black church. I didn't know what, what it was, Miss Dorsey. You know? When she invited me. Because, see, my thoughts went back to my early years growing up in the 60s when whites tried to hold me back. So now it was an obstacle for me to be here. You understand? There's an obstacle for you to be here. There are obstacles. There'll be obstacles if we are all white. There'll be obstacles if we're all Hispanic. There'll be obstacles if we're all, you know, uh, anything. But there are more obstacles when you're different. The more diversity, the more diversity. I know that some people, when they come as guests, and not you here today as guests, just a guest that has been in the past. <laughs> <laughs> They don't know who the pastor is because they, you know, they just come, you know. And uh, when I stand up, they say, oh, my goodness, you know. You know. Yeah. Because, see, my thoughts back in those, I, know, I knew back then why I thought blacks were inferior. So what is he going to teach me, you see? There are obstacles, I'm telling you, I'm trying to be real to you now. There are obstacles in this type of church. So what we have to do is say, look, God, you created all this diversity. You created Adam. You created, you know, Eve. You're the one, Lord, uh, who built her. You're the one who uh, flooded the earth. You're the one who saved the eight souls. You're the one who brought all these, these nationalities. You're the one, so God, you said all nations are yours. Now, all of them are going to be in heaven. Every single nation, every tribe, every tongue. So therefore, you're telling me that I better get used to it. Right? What better get, way to get used to it? than being in a diversified body already, right? But there are going to be obstacles. That's what I'm telling you. Diversity, but unity. We must be in unity. We appreciate diversity. 
I appreciate it. I try to have men and women around me that are diverse, that don't think like I do, that challenge me, that tell me that they don't agree with me. That's okay. Because it helps me. If everybody agreed with me, oh, it'll be a sad word, world because I'm going to make more mistakes because I don't know everything. And the more I read this Bible, the more I know I know very little. And you say, well, why are you standing up there? Well, I'm telling you that <laughs> I know a little something. <laughs> That's why I read the Word. That's why I give you the Word. Let's go a little further. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result of that, we are no longer children tossed to and fro, and and there and, and tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness of deceit and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto Him. God helped me to grow up into Him. That's what we want. And if you ask that question, uh, let me let me hear you ask. ask no, I don't want. I don't, I don't want to do that because if you say it, it's going to already cause problems. I'm going to say it. God helped me to grow up. Now, if you say that, don't, don't say it now. Don't, don't say it. If you say that, what's going to happen is that he's going to present problems to you because problems help you grow up. Do you hear me? They help you grow up. Obstacles help you grow up. If you want to get strong, lift weights. You're going to have to have some resistance to the lift to give you more strength. And it, it, it is a painful to exercise. But you will benefit from it. You'll benefit from it. I want to grow up into him. Because, let me, let me give you a, a secret. He's going to cause you to grow up anyway. Okay? <laughs> he is. He is. We, you, might as well, you might as well bow now, as Jack said, and beat the rush. <laughs> because you're going you to grow up anyway. He's going to cause it. But this is important right here. Who is the head, even Christ? It's about him. From whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by whatever joint supplies, you supply something to everybody, Shay. You, you give to the body. I know you, you're just a teenager, and you say, well, what can I give to these adults? I don't know much, you know. You are part of the body. You are very important, you see. Every joint has to supply. That's why you need it every Sunday, because you're supplying what others might need, and you don't know exactly what God wants to do with you, but you have to come ready and able to do your part. Suppose he wants to use you for a word of knowledge, but you are not interested in coming to church that day. Because after all, it's a threat of snow uh, on Friday. And so you want to prepare. <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. Okay. 
You are needed. You are needed, okay? According to the proper working, it says, proper working of each individual part. We're supposed to work properly. And what happens? It causes growth of the body and the building of itself in love. Now, what God is saying here that uh, you want to be a part of the body, you want to be connected to the body, and the elders just say, look, this is what we're going to do. We want you to do the growth, the growth thing here. We, we, we're going to disciple everybody. We're going to disciple everybody. And so uh, the way we can best do that is have, a, have a something very, very simple. Uh, we're going to be connected to God, connected to the body, connected to ministry, and then to the world. Okay? Okay, now, so how are we going to judge whether they're connected to the body? Be in a life group. Be in a life group. Now, if you're in a life group, then praise God. Praise God. You know, and you say, well, huh. I don't want to be in a life group. I don't want to be in a life group. Part of unity is that you must be willing to communicate. Go tell one of the elders, you know, um, one of the elders and his wife, they're, they're with the children today, uh, keeping the children. Another elder sitting there, Elder Sam, and another elder is sitting over there, um, Elder Chad. Go tell one of them. Don't tell me now. Uh, go tell one of them, I don't want to be in a life group because I'm working on Sundays and I can't be there. Uh, and, it, you know, I just want to let you know because I want to participate, but I just can't be there. What are they going to say? No problem. We'll be praying for you. No problem. Everything's cool. Everything's cool. You're communicating, right? That's how you keep unity in your household. Communicate. So the enemy doesn't want husband and wife communicating with one another because communication brings unity. Honest communication and true communication. But you must also be willing to cooperate. You must be willing to comply if you're going to keep unity. So uh, if, you say, if you go to them and say, I'm going to communicate. I don't want to be a part of a life group because I don't think it's necessary. Oh, you don't think it's necessary. Is it against the word? No. Are we in sin for asking them? No. That's a preference. Yes. What should you do with that preference? Take it to the cross. Because everyone can decide what they want to do and what they don't want to do. In your household. Suppose your children decide, I don't want to go to school today. Just don't want to. And if you homeschool them, hey, mom, forget it. Today is my day. (laughs) No homeschooling. You don't care what they think, do you? You don't care what they think. You don't care about their preference. We're asking you to comply. That's all we're asking you to do. Well, what we ask you to do. That's why we put life groups on Sunday morning, two of them anyway. But we can have four. We can have six. We can have life groups because we have uh, two in here. We can have, actually have three in here. We can have, we got two in the other room over there. We can have one over here uh, in the corner over here uh, in, in the lobby. We can, have, we can have life groups now. We can have many as you want to. When we did 40 days of preppers, we had, we had people in, in, on Sunday morning. Woo, we had them on Sunday morning. You can be in a life group if you want to. You don't have to spend another night. All you have to do is come earlier, an hour earlier, 
out half earlier. Nine o'clock, they start at nine and end at ten. And, and I know you say, well, I had to get up half now. I had to get up earlier. I don't want to get up early on Sunday because it's my only day of rest. I work six days a week. I'm not getting up on Sunday morning. Okay, it's okay. That's why we have a life group on Wednesday night. We had one, right, because you can come on Wednesday night. You can come on Sunday night. It, it's an evening. It, it doesn't matter. We're going to have life groups. And if you say, well, man, I'm free on Monday. That's the only day I have, and it's about 10 if you want to do it on Monday. Hey, we, we got people who are ready to teach a life group on a Monday. No problem. No problem whatsoever. Be in a life group because we think that in the life group, that's where discipleship is going to really happen. That's where you're going to get close to other parts of the body, other parts of the body. That's where you can pray for one and all those type of things. And I know you say that, well, I'm already in the next group anyway because you said it be connected to a ministry. I'm in a ministry. I'm on the worship team, so this is a, a small group. So, hey, we, we do real good. You know, we pray for one another and all those type of things. I don't need it to be another small group. Let me tell you, in the, in, the, in, in the worship team, they don't go over. Chad does not take this group and go over all the SOLs that we have asked the life groups to do. He don't do that. No time for it. Okay? I don't care if you are uh, in corporate prayer. I don't care if you're on the altar team. I don't care if you got, got uh, a group that meets together for coffee. I have discipleship groups, but they are not life groups. I, I, I have discipleship groups. My wife and I have a 501 women's discipleship group. We don't have a 501. I have a 501 men's discipleship group, but they are not life groups. See, what happens is the, the, the more you go down that line, the more commitment you're going to have to make to Jesus Christ. In other words, the more commitment you're going to have to make to being a part of this body, to bring him glory, to unify. And you can say, well, I'm going to do three of them. I'm just going to leave the fourth one. Well, see, God already knows that, that you could do the fourth one if you wanted to. You just don't want to. And then that's going to, if you don't know it, you don't know it. But in the spirit realm, God is going to say, okay, I had this for you. But since you don't want to die to yourself, you're going to miss this right here. You say, well, that, that's wrong to say. You don't know what God's going to do. I know what the scripture says. And I know that there are many people from Genesis to Revelation who miss all of what God has for them because they just wouldn't comply. I'm telling you. Be in a ministry is the next one. Be connected to a ministry. And you say, well, you know, I don't want to be a part of a ministry. I'm shy. You know, you can do something. You know, uh, Elder John, when we do servant evangelism, you can go pick up sticks. You don't have to talk to a soul. You know, you know, rake, rake grass, rake, rake leaves. You don't have to talk to a soul. You know, really. There are plenty ministers for you. It gets old using the same people for everything. Do you know what I'm saying? You wear people out. I'm asking the same people to do the kids' church, to do prayer, to do um, sound, to do ushers, to do greeters, to do. I'm asking the same people. So, therefore, you should say, well, look, let me take some of the load. How would you like it for you in your household? Everybody in your household said, you do it all. You wash the dishes. You go to work. You cook. You take out the trash. You make up all the bed. You are head of the household. You do it. That, how long is this going to last? The men said, a lot long. 
things came from. God didn't create it to function that way. Because don't you know that I, I, thought, about, I thought about asking my wife, said, hey, look, let's greet because we don't have greeters. We got two ushers standing out there greeting. Yeah. And I know, you, I know you know it. I said, let's do a greeting. And then we'll come in at quarter of, of course. That's when you're supposed to come in. And then I'll stand and then I'll be ready for somebody who uh, may have a word or something like that. But see, I'll be out of the, out of the sink of things. You know, coming in the last minute and somebody can come up for where that, that's, not, that's not good. Am I too good to greet? Absolutely not, because I greeted. It's about every Sunday that I've been here uh, until I became uh, the lead pastor. Because I, li- I like greeting. I mean, I love greeting. I can greet every Sunday. It doesn't bother me whatsoever. Because I-, I love watching people when they come in. You- you'd be surprised what you see on their faces. You know? And, and uh, praying for people. See, I get to know everything when, when-, when people come in what they've been through and all those type of things. I can pray for people. Uh, God says some things sometimes. And I just love greeting people. Yeah. But I'm not able to right now. But some of you have the gift of that. I mean, you would love to do that. Maybe one Sunday out of the month. That's all, one Sunday out of the month. You need to be a part of a ministry. And then you need to be connected to the world. You need to uh, be cultivating relationships with unsaved. Because after a while in Christianity, if you've already asked your relatives and everybody uh, pretty soon, you don't have anybody else. And then after a while, you relate only to Christians. And see, what we want to relate to is a lost world. You don't have to do what they do. You don't have to say what they say. Just open yourself up to being approachable and just saying, how y'all doing, you know? It's all we're going drinking tonight. Oh, you are. You want to go with us? No, not, not tonight. You know, but um, bless you all anyway. You know. you know, just speak to people. There's nothing wrong with that. Speak to people. And then invite them to church. Invite them to church. You'd be surprised the number of people be led to the Lord just coming to church. You invite them, but somebody else lead them to the Lord because they connect with somebody else. Be connected to the world. Now, that's the division. The goal is to do, to know and to do the vision. That's the goal. The vision is to be connected to God, be connected to the body, be connected to the to a ministry, and be connected to the world. That's what we expect out of everybody who comes. So there's no secrets. It is what's expected at Cornerstone. Be connected to God. Be connected to the body, be connected to a ministry, be connected to the world. We can't, can't ask you to do what you are not able to do. But it's going to take what we read, humility, meekness, tolerance. It's going to take those things, isn't it? Humility will say, Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to comply with it. Because after all, I want people to comply with what I ask them to do. We can't be hypocrites, can we? We can't want at home our children to comply with us. 
we can't want in if we are at work and we are an employer, our employees to, to do what we ask them to do. We can't ask uh, in, uh, in ministry, like Chad, and, and we have uh, five others who they lead the worship team. They're the leaders of the worship team. If Chad doesn't comply, who's going to comply with him? It's a spiritual principle. You know, he can want, I can say, Chad, I want a, I want a, I want a, a choir. And he wants you all to join the choir, but you don't want to comply. And he, he tells me, people don't want to comply. But if he doesn't comply, why should they comply? You reap what you sow, God says. Let's stand. I'm so glad that it, doesn't dep- it does not depend upon me. I'm so glad that it really doesn't depend upon you. I'm so glad that God is in control. Now, we have responsibility, don't we? We have responsibility. We have to, be, we have to yield to the Holy Spirit. We have to yield to the Word of God. See, sometimes yielding to the Holy Spirit is one of those things that some people say, well, I sense the presence of the Lord. Another person say, well, I don't sense anything. Some people say, well, the Spirit of God was here. Some people say, man, the Spirit of God wasn't there. The Word of God takes all the error out of it. If it's, if it's in the Word, do it. Simple. Do it. You can't go wrong. Do it. So what we're asking people to do in 2011 is to be in unity with what we're asking you to do. Be in unity among the diversity. In spite of your preferences, in spite of whether you want to or not, do what the Word of God says. There are blessings. There are things that God would do in your life just because you went to the cross. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for our diversity. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that we can be in a diverse group of people that have many different gifts. We need each other. Many different backgrounds. We need each other. Many different ages. We need each other. Many different races or tint to our skins. We need each other. We're all children of God. We're all created by God. God loves us, and we know that we love God because we love the children of God. We thank you for that, Lord. In 2011, We are going to have unity with our diversity. We are going to have unity in spite of our preferences that may disagree. We're going to have unity regardless of how we think things should be. 
If things are not against the word of God, that's just your opinion. And everyone has one. We're going to go to the cross with that. We're going to grow up in 2011 more because of your grace. But it's all going to be for your glory.